Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. We've recently launched our NBC Sunday series, Every other Sunday, we are hosting a live webinar series that is also streamed on Facebook, on our Facebook page, Surviving Breast Cancer Org, and we talk about all specific topics related to the metastatic breast cancer community. This ranges from dealing with grief, talking to your children about cancer, preparing an estate planning, the difference between palliative care and hospice, etc. So this is just a great series. Obviously, it is specific to NBC, but of course, all stages, all people are always welcome. In today's episode, I'm also very excited to have Abigail moderate for us as we speak with Leslie Yerger, author of Probably Benign, and founder of My Density Matters, who's going to share with us information that we need to know with regards to breast density. This is an important topic for everybody. Whether you've been diagnosed with breast cancer or not, knowing your breast density is the first step in making sure that you're having conversations with your radiologist, your primary care physicians, and your doctors to understand your risk for potentially developing breast cancer. Now, mammography is a great screening tool. If you do not have dense breast tissue, it most likely will pick up cancer. It's like clear as day on the film. However, if you do have dense tissue, it's going to be much harder to detect whether or not there's cancer hiding behind it. It's kind of like looking up at the sky on a cloudy day. There might be some planets and stars behind those clouds, but you can't actually see them because it's cloudy. Don't take my word for it. Let's dive right into the conversation today with Leslie and Abigail. Before we get started, I want you to mark your calendars for February 24th. February 24th is the inaugural Find Out My Breast Density Day. This is a day to empower women to find out their breast density. If you are dense, talk to your doctors about additional screening. Definitely use the hashtag Find Out My Breast Density Day on social media, and we can really start to raise awareness and bring light to this topic. We are also going to be having a live Twitter chat with Dr. Amy Patel, 5 p.m. Central Time on the 24th. If you just type in Find Out My Breast Density Day, in Twitter, you can join the dialogue. Now, without further ado, welcome to the conversation. Then we get to November of 2017 when she was diagnosed with stage four lobular breast cancer. I think one of the biggest things I learned having breast cancer is that breast cancer is not the same. And you can get into all kinds of receptors, but before we get into how the cancer does its thing, you have to go back to, there's two types, ductal and lobular, and Leslie will go into to those details. But um, the abnormalities were found on a routine bone density scan. When have you heard of somebody being diagnosed with breast cancer on a bone density scan that is not typical? Um, And that was because her cancer was not visible on either a mammogram or an ultrasound. And those are kind of the two, at least in uh, that I've heard of, um, the two tests that most people will get. Usually it's just a mammogram, sometimes also with a diagnostic ultrasound. Leslie's cancer was not found by either of those things. I think it's great that Leslie points out that it's not anybody's fault that that happened. It's a failure of the testing that we have. And she's going to go into to those details and give you guys some, some good information about that. And so that has become her passion, educating people on what tests you need to know about 
And what you need to do when you get that letter after you get your mammogram that says you have dense breasts. Sometimes you know, every state does it a little bit differently. I think, is it still 36 states where they have to send you that letter, Leslie, or is it more well, than that? It's more. Now we're looking at a oh, national mandate that they're trying to figure out what the language should be at the moment. Um, but it's skipped to the national level now. We're not quite ready to roll that out yet. Um, and it's been delayed because of COVID and et cetera. But um, good. Yes. That's wonderful. And I'm sure you'll talk about how that came about. That was somebody who got mad and made that energy into something productive for people. And how often have we heard that, that somebody experiences something and then says, wait a minute, I don't want anybody else to experience this. And I think that's really, that exemplifies what Leslie is doing. She had an experience. She figured out why she had that experience, and now she's trying to make sure that other people don't have that same experience. So without further ado, um, make sure to look up Probably Benign, and I will turn it over to Leslie to talk about breast density and what everybody needs to know about that. Thank you so much, Abigail and Laura, for having me. It's my pleasure. This gives me energy. It doesn't take energy from me, you know, to talk about this and to share my story and to um, really get women. I, I really have one goal, and that is to get women to understand their breast density and learn their options and insist and persist until they get what they want. And that doesn't sound like much, but it's actually a pretty big ask because it's not as easy as it sounds to do. Um, but at uh, the website, mydensitymatters.org, we do have resources for all those things that people can go in there and download to help them do those things. Um, but I'll back up a little bit and just talk about um, why density is so important, how it enter- enters into the whole picture of all of this, um, give a little background. I'm going to talk, I've got like six slides. I'll talk for maybe, you know, 10, 12 minutes. Um, because I feel like on this particular, um, webinar, zoom call, whatever, whatever it is we're, we're doing, um, we have educated, curious people who have questions. And I think we will have a particularly good discussion afterwards. Um, so what I will do is, uh, share my screen now and we will get started with some of the background that I want to, uh, want to share with people. Um, and then we'll go from there afterwards with hopefully some really good Q and A and questions and further information. You can see this screen, right? Early detection is key to survival. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. So I hope you've all heard that before. Early detection is key to survival. That's because it's the only way to survive this disease. So um, I'm very, very direct when I talk about this. And I hope it doesn't trigger anyone, but it's important to know what the real deal is, I guess. Um, I know, Abigail, you might be the most more direct person than I am. (laughs) That's why we get along. That's That's why we get along. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
So here we go. No holes barred. Here's the real thing about early detection. So this slide is simply a table taken from the American Cancer Society website about the five-year survival rate of the different stages of breast cancer. So if your breast cancer is found at stage zero or one, your five-year survival rate is close to 100%. That's a good number. That's the number we want you to have or anybody to have who has to be one of the eight women who's diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime. You want that number, which means it has to be found at stage zero or one. Stage two and three, still curable. Um, Now, it's interesting to note, and a lot of people don't know, so I, I, I always do share this. You physically, it's impossible. You cannot die from breast cancer in your breast. No one ever has. It's not possible. I know it's confusing. But the reason is, is our breasts are not a vital organ. We can do without them. We may not want to. You know, there's all that. But it doesn't kill us in our breasts. It just simply does not. It cannot. The problem is it travels. And it will eventually travel. And it goes to bones, liver, lungs, brain, sometimes other places. And we cannot live without those vital organs working properly. And that is what causes breast cancer fatality. So we have 41, 42,000 about women dying every year from breast cancer in the United States. And that number has stayed the same for 20 years. I fear in the next few years, we might see more because of this huge lag that we now have in everyone breast cancer screening because of COVID. I hope my fears do not come to reality about that. Um, But it might because a lot of people have put off their surveillance, you know, really for maybe a whole year. That's a problem. Um, And approximately 30% of people treated for those early stage breast cancers will have some sort of recurrence. It it can be 10%, it can be 40%. That's a nuanced number, but it's about 25 or 30% will go on to have a recurrence. So early detection, if you're a survivor um, and still have breast tissue left, this is as important to you as anybody else, this whole issue of breast density. Okay. Moving on. So what is the problem then with breast density? The problem is that um, it obscures cancer in a mammogram. And mammogram is our standard way of finding breast cancer um, in all breasts. So this diagram here is simply four different mammogram images. And it represents the four different categories of breast density. By law, your breast density is supposed to be spelled out in your mammogram report. So when we ask women to go find out their breast density, if they've had a mammogram, it should be simple enough to find out by reading your report. It's not always the case, but it should be. That's the whole thing. So category A on the left is what's called a fatty breast meaning that there's not much density in it. So our breasts are really made up of two things, fat 
and all the other things, uh, you know, the, the lobules, the ducts, all the other things that make it possible for us to give milk, which is what our breasts are really for. You know, I know they become very sexualized and all that, but that's what, that's what our breasts are really there for. So those two things. So if you're a woman who has the category A, you don't have a lot of those other things and your breast is primarily, primarily made up of fat and fat basically looks black on a mammogram. Good news for you, cancer looks white on a mammogram. So it sh shows right up beautifully. Look at that spot on that category A breast. Boom. A radiologist is going to see that, you know. Um, they're trained to find it. They will see it. Um, good stuff. And also category B, it's called scattered breast density. So it's more fat, less of the other stuff. You can still see pretty well. Um, plain old standard mammogram, 95, 98% of the cancers in those breasts are going to be found on a mammogram. And wonderful for those women. About 29 or 30% of all cancers are found in category AB women. Now, when you get to category C, which is something called heterogeneously dense, which is, you know, less fat, more density, and category D, which is something called extremely dense, note how you start to lose being able to distinguish that white dot from the background image. By the time you get to D, you can't see it at all and neither can anybody else. Radiologists are highly trained. They're smart. They're all of these things. They don't have bionic eyes. They just don't. They're not going to, you know, like we can't ask someone to see something in a picture that is simply not seeable. And 71% of all breast cancers are in C and D. Simply because, and no one really knows why, but the more dense your breasts, the higher your likelihood of getting breast cancer in the first place. So a woman of category D is four to six more times likely to be getting breast cancer in her lifetime than somebody of category A. So that... You know, summary quickly on that is sometimes mammography fails those of us who need it the most because we have a higher risk in the first place. I hope that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, so what do we do about this? What's going on? How can we fix it? This is a chart that shows some of the different modalities that we use to find breast cancer found per 1000 women with dense breasts. This is just dense breasts, not everyone combined and certainly not, not dense breast people. This is just dense breasts. So mammography, the plain old plain old that we all know about, get your mammogram, all of that. Um, we'll find about average three and a half cancers per thousand women in dense breasts for every 1000 with women dense breasts tested three and a half. So 
sometimes it's four, sometimes it's less than three and a half. You know, there are a million different studies. This is about the average, about three and a half. Three, come along 3D mammogram, which was built to, to fix this whole problem. And it certainly has not. There is a study out there by an organization called densebreastinfo.org that did a survey of doctors and way too many doctors think that a 3D mammogram and an MRI are about the same find rate. That scares me a lot, just to be honest. Scares me a lot. It is not even close. It finds about one, maybe two more breast cancers per thousand women with dense breasts. But and again, a new study finds for those extremely dense breast women, no difference. It doesn't help at all. So while it's not a useless tool, it's a good tool. Okay. I'm not saying it's not. It has not solved this problem. Some people add ultrasound into their screening regimen. So they'll do a mammogram or a 3D mammogram, and then they'll follow up with an ultrasound. Ultrasound finds on about, about average two, maybe three, more breast cancers per 1,000 women with dense breasts. So getting there, a little bit more, right? A little bit more. Um, it's helpful. It has its pros and cons. Every modality has its pros and cons. I wish there were a perfect modality. There, there isn't one. Um, but this is, this is basically what ultrasound does for us. It's a little bit operator dependent. So that makes it kind of difficult depending on where you are. You've got working in your facility, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, fairly high false positive. But it, give, it finds more. Um, if you're one of the two or three, you know, that get found, Great, right? Good stuff. There's something else um, out there called molecular breast imaging that the Mayo Clinic now uses as standard fare. They use it as standard fare for all their dense breast women, except for probably the really, really high risk women, and they get an MRI. But um, they feel like combining a 3D mammogram with molecular breast imaging gets them pretty close to what an MRI can give you. So now we're up into the 15-ish breast cancers per found, um, per thousand women tested with dense breasts. So look at the jump there um, that they're getting by using that screening modality for women with dense breasts. And then there's the always the MRI, which is the cat's meow of, of it, I mean, Apparently, there is no other model. If there's more out there, we don't know about it, right? Because um, MRI finds the most of anything that, that we've got. Um, again, it has its pitfalls, pretty high false positive rate, um, pretty high false alarm. It's weird to do. It's very expensive. It's not paid for a standard cancer screening for anybody except really high-risk people. And then there's one more which um, as to the best, the best of my knowledge is not FDA approved for screening called um, contrast enhanced mammography. I believe they're using this now 
at Beth Israel Deaconess in Boston. I think I think I saw a couple people from Boston on this call. They are not using it for standard screening for women who you know haven't had cancer yet, but they are using it to surveil people who are survivors because they are by default high risk, right? Um, so anybody who falls into that category know that I believe that's what they're doing at Beth Israel now. So that's a step forward, I believe, for people who fall into that category in that location. So this is not to tout or put down or anything like that, any of these modalities, because they all find something. It's merely to show you our standard fare, which is up at the top of the chart, where what we're finding in women with dense breasts versus what is there to be found. So all that space up at the top, if you can see my cursor, all this here is being left undetected now, unless we're down here using these modalities to find the cancers that are really there. And that's really frustrating to me. I'm very frustrated about that. And lo and behold, I was someone who fell into that category, whose cancer was not visible on either a mammogram or an ultrasound. Lobular breast cancer, as Abigail alluded to before, is a tricky one. 10 to 15% of all breast cancers are lobular. And it doesn't glob together like a ball, you know? So people say, feel for the lump, feel for the lump. And yes, feel for the lump. But lobular doesn't form a lump. So you're not going to feel it. Um, through all of my whole diagnosis and everything, there's only one doctor, one doctor at Mayo Clinic who could feel it. It, felt, it just feels like a weird thickening. and. He's like, he found it in like 1.8 seconds. And I was like, you're kidding. me. How, how? And he said, well, this is what we do all day. You know, so it eludes these technologies that we're currently using as standard. Um, but it did show up like a shining, blinking thing on a PET scan that I got. Um, Molecular breast imaging is kind of like a sort of like a little PET scan. It probably would have found it, but not standard affair, not available to me. And I didn't know to ask. I had no idea. Just like most people don't have any idea about any of this, which is why I do what I do. So this is why when I speak to groups, I talk to anybody who will listen, I tell them you've got to be the boss. You have to be the boss of your own breast cancer screening. You have to ask whether you have dense breasts or not if you don't know already. You have to learn the options around you. And also think about, figure out, am I willing to travel or am I not willing to travel? How much money am I willing to pay out of my pocket or not? All of those decisions. We have to make on our own because they are not being made for us in any way at all by the medical community. And then we have to insist and persist to get what we want 
And it's not easy. I've got a list of all the excuses in the book of people that have asked their doctors, well, I have dense I want X, Y, Z. They very often get talked out of it. So we have to be strong. We have to know what we want. And we have to keep getting it. Asking until we get what we want. Don't give up. So um, we are going to have a day, February 24th. We want February 24th to be find out my breast density day. And we're going to publicize this to the all ends of the earth, if possible. And what we're asking women to do is to find out their breast density. So that means look at your report. If it's not clear to you from your report, call your doctor and ask and make them tell you whether you have dense breasts or not. You might have to insist and persist even to get that. And then after you find out if you're dense, talk to your doctor about additional screening. That's what we're trying to get out of this. Find out my breast density day. So any help any of you would like to give on this, we would very much, you know, if you can social media, if you can retweet, if you can get all your friends to do it, you know, have a breast density party. I don't know. Anyway, you know, <laughs> any help that we can get to make this day successful and to get attention on this issue and action on this issue. So I love awareness. I like action based on the awareness a lot more. So it's all well and fine to be aware of something, but if we don't act on that awareness, we're not getting what we could. So the action is what we're looking for. You don't have to wait till the 24th. We don't even have to have a day in order for you to do this, but we're, ha we're having a day. I will close with a quote, which makes me very sad. But it's from a radiologist that I work for out in Utah. Um, and this is really how he sums it up from his point of view. As a radiologist who interprets mammograms, I often wonder when I issue a negative screening mammogram report for a woman with dense breasts, if she understands that a report saying no mammographic evidence of malignancy does not mean you don't have cancer. Every time I see a woman with dense breast tissue, often younger, who has come in with advanced breast cancer that was obscured on her mammogram, a way too frequent occurrence, I am certain the system failed her and that we need to do better. We need to do better. And by and large, we really aren't doing better right now. So it's up to us to do better for ourselves, for our friends, our families, our loved ones, our mothers, our daughters and each other. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Abigail, for moderating. What an informative and important conversation we are having. Just a reminder for everybody to hashtag find out my breast density day on February 24th and be part of this movement. Thank you for tuning in and listening to our podcast. If you would like to find out more about our organization and upcoming events and ways to connect, you can find out more by visiting our website at survivingbreastcancer.org. I would like to acknowledge that all of the information on our podcast is from personal experiences, and it is not a substitute for professional medical advice. 
you should always consult your medical care team. If you're looking for specific topics or would like to be a guest on our show, feel free to contact me directly at laura at survivingbreastcancer.org. And of course, we have a couple social media handles you can follow us at as well. For example, survivingbreastcancer.org, all one word, as well as our podcast specifically, Breast Cancer Conversations. Until next time, keep on thriving.